to the king. I love that. Andrea, thanks for getting that. In the pursuit of his presence, we're going to continue week eight, talking a little bit about Christmas. I kind of left off just talking a little bit about the symbols of Christmas that cause our hearts to be connected with God in a greater way and just even watching that and hearing that song. There's so many awesome songs about Jesus at Christmas time that really stir our hearts and connect us in a way that encourages the presence of God that he is with us. I want to talk about Christmas greenery for a minute. By the 16th century, Western Christians were practicing the Christmas tradition of greening. Greening the church and the home by using evergreen trees, branches, and cones. And I gave you that scripture last week from Isaiah 60, 13, where the evergreen was part of worship and being brought into the, the temple. Laurel wreaths pointed to the victory of Christ. Red colors surely representing the blood of Jesus. Holly and Ivy later replaced Laurel, carrying the idea of peace because of Christ's birth and joy, because of the glad tidings of Christ, God in flesh, the little presence of God through Jesus. The holly wreath with its thorns and red berries symbolized the crown of thorns, with the red berries representing the drops of Christ cursed, reversing blood. That's why we deck the halls with boughs of holly. This Christmas is a time for celebration. Christmas is a time for salvation. And Christmas is a time for reconciliation. Continually being reconciled to the Lord as we go through our different attitudes and the things that God's doing in all of our lives as Christians to be restored to have that resurrection life that we talked about, that that resurrection is working in us, changing us, the way we think, the way we feel, building our spirits and refining our soul, and also reconciliation with people. Because as we are in the body, there's always things that go on that cause offenses to happen. But just as Jesus reconciled us to God through his blood, it's the same blood that reconciles us to one another as we keep working through relationship things. Then there's the prophetic promises that confirm God's leading in his presence. And there's some prophecies about the Messiah, and I got this from Logos the other day. Even when critics have rejected the traditional 450 B.C. date for the completion of the Old Testament, they have never been able to get around the fact that the Greek Septuagint, a translation of the Hebrew scriptures, was completed around 250 B.C., proving that prophecies about, the G about Jesus could not have been written after the events they foretell. Pretty encouraging, huh? That The prof prophetic word of God is so powerful that it went long before it was confirmed by man. And long before it came to pass, the word was given. The prophetic scriptures give us that hope that God is a God who is true and his word is true. And he tells things so much in advance that we might have something to lean and rest our faith in. I want to give you the Strong's definition of Messiah. The anointed one, Christ in the English form of the Greek word, Christ also meaning the anointed one. And we know Jesus was that Messiah that was looked for, the hope of Israel, the hope of all the human race, that God would send his son, that God would send a deliverer, that would set people free, that would bring change on the earth. Satan's power over man would be broken through Messiah. The Lord has been revealing himself from the very beginning of time, 
God's presence and the coming of Jesus has been a prophetic promise through the Old and New Testaments. The first Bible prophecy about Jesus Messiah was right in the beginning after the fall of man. In Genesis 3.15, God said to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I want to kind of go through that verse in some small bites. Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve had sinned, God said to Satan, I will put enmity, which is opposition, hostility, animosity between you and the woman. Uh, how many would say as after you've become a Christian that you feel like more hostility, animosity uh, against you? Because there's a great affront that comes from the demonic powers and from Satan for anyone who turns to Christ and begins to follow them, follow him. Matthew Henry wrote this. Observe here the serpent and the woman Eve had just now been very familiar and friendly in the discourse about the forbidden fruit. And a wonderful agreement was there between them. But, there, but here they are in irreconcilably set at variance. Note, sinful friendships justly end in mortal feuds. Those that unite in wickedness will not unite long. And it's interesting that, sa that Satan was so beguiling to Eve and he came in the form of a serpent to really dissuade her that God was really telling her the, the real deal. And it ended up that Satan's true self came out and how he really hated Eve. Genesis 3.15 continues. Enmity, opposition, hostility, and animosity. Also between Satan's offspring, all have sinned. Wicked people under his control and influence. Satan sold the whole world into sin. Every person born from Adam and Eve had the sin nature upon them, that fallen nature. They were separated from God, and Satan became the God of this world and the God of the people born in this world. Not only evil spirits, Logos says, but wicked men. That scripture in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned, we've all missed the mark. Even Paul, the great apostle, you know, in all that he wrote and all that he talked about the love of God and everything that he went through, he talked about himself saying, oh, wretched man that I am, knowing that he was dealing with his own nature himself and how all of us are dealing with the effects of the fall and what was passed on us. The world given over to Satan in Eden, and Satan became the God of this world and this time. Genesis 3.15 continued. Enmity, opposition, hostility, animosity. Also between the woman's offspring, Jesus. The struggle since the garden against good and evil. Enmity, Mary the virgin brought Messiah. Oh, how he hated the Messiah coming through Mary. And we even, as we were reminded seeing the movie just Wednesday of how even Satan moved through wicked kings to try to destroy the Messiah. Satan even trying to kill Jesus at birth and often during times when he was in his ministry before he was going to go to the cross. Genesis 3.15 continued. He, Jesus, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. What a promise, huh? Of everything that was coming against a man 
would be destroyed by Jesus. What a promise to come right in the very beginning when sin had started and everything that was good in the garden, everything that was hopeful about man being born and growing and uh, families growing up on the earth, that God sent Jesus in a prophetic word that he would come and redeem what had just happened. The commentary states that the serpent's curse was limited to striking only as high as the heel of a man. Messiah redeemed us from Satan. In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, and you, that's us, he, Jesus, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to Satan, the prince of power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of our mind, and were by our very old sin nature children of wrath, just as the others. In Ephesians 2, 14 through 16, For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Jesus, the Messiah, would come to crush Satan's head, the power and authority stolen from Adam in the garden when they disobeyed God. Jesus, we know, Messiah had his foot bruised on the cross so that we might be restored in relationship to God, that we might come out from underneath the power of darkness, the power of sin that is in this world. Christmas is a time for us to celebrate. At Christmas, many celebrate things other than Jesus' birth. Distractions like Santa, shopping, parties, cooking, moms on overload. We Christians can get extra busy. But an angels initiate a Christmas celebration and how we were supposed to celebrate the birth of the Savior of the world, the Messiah. In Luke 2, 13 and 14, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of, other, of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom <coughs> God is pleased. Those verses really touched my heart today because of the grace of God that we have. All of us have different things that we're going through. But it is the message of Christ. It is when we begin to think about Jesus, we're lifted above the natural. We're called up to go higher and relate to God above every distraction that there is that would keep us from celebrating Jesus. Our key verse today <coughs> is Psalms 118.24. This is the day, Christmas, that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Have you been able in past Christmases to really celebrate Jesus? Think about your past Christmases. Does Jesus kind of get kicked to the curb? Let's determine this year on Christmas that we are going to have some hard time, personal hard time with Jesus. Try to bring him even more into our families, praying together, talking about the goodness of God, talking about what Christmas really means. You know, it's Jesus' birthday. We do a big up. We do big things. We do things big uh, around people that we love on their birthday. Let's make Jesus' birthday extra special in our homes this year.
Some reasons to celebrate Jesus. Number one is the good news. In Luke 2.10, the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And I know sometimes we're just overwhelmed by the things that we're going through that our joy gets robbed because of our soul being affected by circumstances and things going on. I felt like that this week. I felt like there's been so many things going on and <coughs> we were, you know, been struggling. Joe's been really leading the construction crew of remodeling everything and we were working out back this Thursday and uh, all of a sudden we heard the, the horns go off for the smoke alarm and we know we hadn't tripped anything because we tripped a few things in the past few months with that smoke alarm, but it went off and, you know, we just had put off going to lunch for an extra half hour and so we were just on our way to lunch when that went off and so we started looking through for and trying to find out, okay, what's going on? Is it a false alarm? What's happening? And Ruben Archette has been here helping us and uh, moving stuff out of the trailer and he came in here with going upstairs and he noticed some smoke coming out from the kitchen. And so uh, we tried to open the kitchen door, but it was so thick with smoke we couldn't get to the back uh, smoke alarm, the fire, the major fire panel to uh, to see what was going on, but also to put off the put the alarm off. And it was it was interesting how God worked, the timing of it all. That we were here when it went off, that we were here to to really deal with it. Reuben went in once and he couldn't get in there because of the smoke. Joe went in, he couldn't get it because of the smoke, and I had brought a pair of gloves in this week that I had had in my truck for almost 20 years. And they were insulated leather gloves and they were brand new. And I happened to pick, pick them off and throw them on outside the front door because I was trying to work the, the smoke alarm to get it to turn off. And we were trying to get into uh, the kitchen area and, and see if we could stop whatever was going on. But the smoke was so thick. So Joe grabs my gloves, puts them on, and he runs in the kitchen and un just pulls the microwave off the shelf, tears it out of the socket, and runs it outside and throws it outside, and it kind of caught fire out there. And I thought, wow, you know, the, the, the things that we don't want to happen happen, but, you know, the miracle of, of having a pair of gloves that he could put on that, you know, wouldn't burn his hands and uh, having the wherewithal where, you know, we just kept trying to go in there and, and stop, you know, what was going on. And I just appreciate people like Joe people like uh, Reuben and uh, how God is so faithful to us to keep this place open and going. Serpro gave us some machines. They cleaned out our kitchen and they're going to come back and check with us tomorrow. But um, they said it would be safe to have services in here today. So if you're, uh, if you're smelling the, this, that smoke today, uh, it's because I took up smoking this week. So other reasons to celebrate his birthday, just to have good news, you know, that we have eternal life, that our sins are forgiven, that no matter how bad things get, we have a hope that he said, like we sang today, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's with us. He loves us. And our soul connected with this world often thinks, God, where are your promises? I don't feel like things are good, and all of us have different situations and things that we're thinking about. I know this could be better. God, I know you're powerful. I know this could be removed. Some of you are in, are in physical pain. Some of you are in different situations because Christmas are, Christmases are different. Different family members maybe aren't going to be with you, and uh, seasons change, but our hope is that Jesus is with us, and what seems to be negative today can obviously be turning to good tomorrow. Other news tends to distract us from the good news. Things going on in the world, political crises, 
uh, nations in crisis, trying to steal the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. But the angels reminded us of Jesus coming, good news for great joy, a joy that will rise above natural joy in circumstances if we could have everything work out the way we want. Great joy comes from him, from his presence that promises to be with us. How often we have to talk ourselves down. We have to talk our soul into trusting God and believing and uh, talk ourselves out of a place of discouragement because our hope is in God. A lot of times we have to remember things that God's done for us, miracles that have happened that make us happy and make us joyful with that joy that's above natural joy. The good news is that God loves us. That's the biggest good news. Someone loves us. How, many, how often have we been rejected or gone through things or losses with people or family or husbands, wives, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, all the things that tear our hearts up. But God loves us. He's constantly loves us. He'll never stop loving us. His love is unconditional. God is with you. That's his presence. And a lot of times we have to manifest that presence by just changing the way we think and not going by our feelings. Do you know that God is for you? The world may be against you. You may have a boss against you. You may feel like your friends have turned against you, but you know God hasn't turned against you. God is for you. He would not have come if he did not love us and was not here for us. It's time for us to celebrate that God loves you. Maybe that's a good place to start this season. I'm going to celebrate Christmas because God loves me. God loved me enough to send Jesus to pay for my sins that I might have eternal life and a restored relationship with him. The reason for Christmas is the love of God. Father made individuals and made diversity. The people you struggle with, God made them. They're made in his image. Their personalities and who they are are made because it brings pleasure to God and how God wants to use different people to help us to, to adjust our attitudes and connect with God and be open to other people. The Father made us with taste buds. How many enjoy Christmas time with all the goodies that are going on? The taste buds. He makes things taste good. And, and it says that, uh, you know, he made and initiated feasts and festivals throughout the, throughout the Old Testament so that people could celebrate God. He, he, he wasn't just a, a God who was stern and angry and uh, holding the Ten Commandments over them, but he initiated feasts and uh, festivals that people could come together and just rejoice, just like we're going to do tonight. What about music in the natural world? Music to enjoy, music that lifts your spirit, music that brings worship and makes it alive, music about Christmas songs and hymns and uh, Christmas songs that just give us the message of Jesus and lift our spirits. From the beginning, God made all things for us to enjoy in 1 Timothy 1.17. The Father sent Jesus that we might begin to know him better. Again, Jesus initiated this relationship of knowing this God who is unseen. This God is all-powerful. This God is visible and all spirit, and yet he's everywhere. God's teaching us how to know a father through Jesus, his son. God sent Jesus to, Id to identify with us, our humanity, the struggles, the feelings, the ups, the downs, the things that come and go in our lives. He felt just like we felt. It says, it says that Jesus could be easily touched by our own feelings of infirmity because he himself endured and, feel, and felt like we did. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, so he knows the whole human spectrum of emotions. God made us to love us. 
sometimes when we don't feel loved, we need to remember that God made you so he can love on you. God loves, God love, God's love for you is based on his character, not your conduct. Does that help you? You're always feeling down about, oh, I didn't do this right, or I feel bad about myself. God loves you. His love for you is based on his character, not your conduct. John, 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God's love continues when our thoughts and attitudes and our performance aren't right. right? So often we, we have bad attitudes or something bugs us and we get angry, but God doesn't stop loving us. And sometimes we stop loving each other. His love for you is unchanging. Rick Warren wrote this. His love for you is unchanging. Everything else will change during your lifetime. But God's love for you is constant, steady, and continuous. You know that that statement about everything else in life, will, will, everything else will change during your lifetime. That is a that is a, a a real relevant truth that really affects us, because when we get things in a certain way or we we're in a certain season that we don't want to end, it's hard when seasons change. It's hard when we go from a pleasant season or a good season into a more difficult season. But that's a reality truth that we're we're going to be in a constant changing environment. And I'm thankful that we have God to lean on, and it's going to take us through those uncomfortable seasons. We're not celebrating baby Jesus. Jesus grew up. The gift of Jesus grows bigger and bigger in our lives. Isn't that positive? That Jesus gets bigger and bigger to meet your situations, your conflicts, your struggles, your trials, your tests. The opposition to your prophetic words, the opposition to your heart and to your spirit, that Jesus is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. When he went to the cross, he became extremely big because the Holy Spirit was released to be with us and to bring Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to us in an incredible way. It is the manifestation of his presence and power that transforms our life. That's from big Jesus. Another reason to celebrate Christmas is God is with you. In Matthew 28, 20, be sure of this, Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes there are seasons of life, family grows up and you're alone, and the seasons change. Feelings and presence. God's presence is in our life has nothing to do with feelings. They're nice when you have them, but God's presence is not dependent on how you feel or what you feel from his presence. Our emotions are vulnerable to many influences. They become reliable, unreliable. Be on guard. Don't just trust and give in to what you feel. In Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. In Isaiah 43, 2 through 3a, when you go through waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. That scripture was real, real this starting Thursday of this week. And I had written this down before Thursday. So when the flames come, when what seems to be coming to destroy your life rises, God promises that he is there and you're going to come out of it. Israel experienced in the desert, in the wilderness, the first five books of the Bible, 
are the testimony that Moses wrote down so that they could have a witness of God's visiting them, walking with them, supplying their every need, that they would have a written record of what they had gone through, and they would have a hope for the future and whatever they would face. The Red Sea and Jordan, Daniel in the lion's den. We do not know what the future may bring, but we rest knowing that God's love is us, and God is with us, and God is for us. We don't, why don't we celebrate Jesus' birthday this Christmas? Take time to honor Jesus this Christmas. Pray, sing, talk about Jesus. What has Jesus done for you in this past year? What gift will you give Jesus this next year? We can be going through some challenging things right now. Even so, why not celebrate Jesus anyway this Christmas? Will you stand with me? We're just going to open the altars up and maybe you'd like to lay a few burdens down or maybe you want prayer. If you just want to be praying by yourself, just come over here on my right, your left. And if you want someone to pray for you, come over here on my left, your right. I just want to pray and then whatever you feel like you need to do. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for your promises of your presence. We thank you for this Christmas season. And we ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us even right now. I pray you'd lift off every discouraged heart, Lord, every trial and, tr and struggle that's going on that tries to steal the joy of who you are, and we pray against the enemy. We thank you that the blood of Jesus washes and rests on us. We thank you, Lord, for your name. We declare your name over this house and over every person here, over the children out in Kids Church. Lord, we pray your anointing, your presence, your blessing. We pray that spirit of joy that the angels brought when they declared you would come and fall upon us. We speak to discouragement. We speak to distractions that you get back in the name of Jesus. All that would stand against our soul, we ask for the restoration of our life. Pour out your spirit upon us. Let us experience a greater presence of your spirit, Lord, in the name of Jesus.